Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I am your host, Christine Gritman. Those of you who are watching this on YouTube can see I'm still adjusting into a new studio space, but that's okay. I got my red. That's all I need. And more importantly, I've got the goods in this week's episode on personal branding and book publishing. Minty Gibbons-Klein, aka The Book Midwife, has helped hundreds of people get their books out of their head and onto the page and ideally into the hands of people who can benefit from those books and from those ideas. Mindy is the author of The Thoughtful Leader, which was also the name of a podcast that she hosted, and it really sums up the various work that she does, not only in book coaching, but also in leadership consulting as well. If you're someone who's been considering writing a book as part of your overall personal brand strategy, what do you need to consider? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? How can you make sure that this book that you're going to put all sorts of time and energy and effort and thought into is actually going to be something that helps your career in the way that you want it to? As you'll hear, Mindy is not a big fan of putting limits on people's ability to write a book. She's all about knocking those limits away and helping you get there. I'm excited for this talk about books. I certainly have always felt like I have a book in me, so I've got a lot to learn today too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so without any further ado, let's bring her on, Mindy gibbons Clark. Thanks so much for being here today. It's my absolute pleasure. So for, for those who don't know, which is probably pretty much everyone except the people who introduced us, I just moved to the same town in the UK as, as Mindy is in. And people said, oh, my goodness, you have to meet Mindy. So we met. And once we got talking, I was like, you know what, Mindy, I need you on the show. <laughs> so let's, let's actually start with just a little bit of background on you, Mindy. You've done a whole bunch of different things. They all are really tied together under this concept of thoughtful leadership. So give everyone just a little background about who you are and what you're about before we dive into personal branding and books. Thanks, Christine. I have um, quite a background, but it's mostly in the area of sales and marketing, training, and personal development. I got into books as soon as I published my first book in 2001. Nobody was really that interested in all the other things. They, all they cared about was, wow, you've written a book. I'd love to write a book. I know somebody wants to write a book. And everywhere I went, I started attracting people who wanted to get a book done. And back in 2001, we were on so many services to get help planning, writing, or publishing books. So I quickly rebranded in 2002. And that's when the book midwife was founded. It's now a global trademarked brand and I'm the founder and the book midwife has been very good to us. It does what it says on the tin. And over the past 21 years, I have written my own books. I've written 14, but more importantly, 
I've developed a a really great award-winning methodology that has helped so many people get books out of their heads and into the market to develop themselves and to develop their business. I ran a publishing company for 16 years and no longer do that. And I work on thought leadership strategy on a broader level that doesn't always have anything to do with books. But, you know, people are always asking me to talk about the book Midwife, and I'm very pleased to be here today to talk about that and anything else. Now, I would imagine back in 2001, yes, we, of course, had the Internet. Self-publishing did exist even before the Internet, but it was a very different landscape at that point, I would imagine, because now, of course, if you want to write a book, it's it's not simple, of course, but you can just click some buttons on Amazon and make it happen. But in 2001, I imagine it was more about getting published. There was that additional hurdle of, okay, I have an idea. I want to do this book. How do I make it happen? I mean, am I right that has changed, that it was a little less self-serve than it is perhaps today? Yeah, the publishing is much, much easier. You're right about that. Writing a great book, a thought-leading book, is, I think, as hard as ever, if not harder because there's so much noise out there now, and there's so much stuff, not to use another word, it's even harder to find the needle in the haystack, which is growing bigger and bigger. I know publishing is a big focus for many people, but here's the first thing that I'm going to tell our listeners. Here's the first shocker. Most people never even get their manuscript to a finished state ready to publish. And many people never even start writing a book, but of those who start eight or nine out of 10 never finish. So there's nothing to publish. And that's why I'm more focused on the strategy and getting that great book content together, making sure it's the best book it can be. And then the publishing, yes, it's much easier. But that, that brings up a really great point, which is content fatigue. Not like there weren't already literally millions of books in publication before. Back then, consuming someone's thoughts that were in a published book, it took a little more effort. You had to find the book at a bookstore or wherever someone gave it to you or at a library. You had to encounter the book, and then you had to make the commitment to sit down and actually consume the book. Now we have content just being thrown at us all day long from so many different (laughs) directions. So I really like your point about how not only is it you know, almost more difficult to write a good and worthy book. But then also most people don't finish. So let's roll back then. Let's talk about where people should be at before they decide to write a book, especially as it relates to a personal brand, because there are people who put a book out thinking that this will make them. But I feel like, and maybe I'm incorrect here, but I feel like in business especially, It's an asset to have developed some level of thought leadership, some level of people caring what you have to say before you take that extra step of putting it in book form. So where, what do you feel in terms of where people should be at professionally, thought leadership wise, personal brand wise, before they even approach the idea of a book? That is one way to look at it, Christine. I personally encourage people to plan the book as part of their strategy, the hub of the thought leadership strategy, which basically says they don't need to be a thought leader first. So I know many people think that you should be blogging and you should develop a following first. It, It doesn't have to happen that way. 
because then that's a very convenient way to procrastinate writing the book because the book is the big scary BHAG, but we don't always see people starting the book that I'm just building my platform first. And that goes on for 28 years. So I don't think there's just one way to do it. A really great book can be a strategic part of the thought leadership strategy. But the way I approach books and the way my team and I have helped create thought leadership strategies for thoughtful leaders is in a holistic way. So it, it we plan everything out the book, but all the other things that will come from that. The planning we do is multifaceted and can result in lots of exciting things like articles, blogs, podcast content, keynotes, speaking, uh, everything that they could possibly want. If it's all done in a coordinated way, then it, it actually helps. So a lot of people talk about repurposing. Here at The Thoughtful Leader, we call it pre-purposing because it can all be planned out in advance. So then what, so there isn't a particular amount of stuff that people need to have already done then. This can be part of the strategy that's happening at the same time. But at the same time, there, there are people I'm sure who come to you and they say, I want to write a book. And I'm sure one question is why? Why do you want to write a book? And I'm sure there are good answers and bad answers to that. And have you noticed particular patterns in terms of the people who, you know, that eight or nine who, who don't wind up writing the book versus the people who write the books, is there a different place they tend to be coming from when it comes to why they even want to write a book to begin with? Or is that kind of a mixed jumble and it really has to do with other factors more than anything? Whatever their reasons are, they should be strong motivators or drivers. They should really be something that pulls the author towards their future Nobody should have to push themselves to work on something important like a book, but they do. And usually when that happens and when it's tough, it's because they don't have a strong reason why. You've got people who aren't quite sure what their reasons are, so they're regurgitating things they've heard. Or my coach says I need a book to build my profile. Or everybody in my industry seems to have a book, so I should. Anytime I hear the word should, I turn into a coach and I say to them, look, do you really want it? How much do you want it? We do test this. I only work with a handful of clients these days, and they really have to pass the motivation test. To get to that point of a book can be a tool to something else, and to your point about being part of a holistic strategy, what are some ways that a book can build a personal brand? One of them very obviously is the social proof. We have in our heads, this person wrote a book. Yeah. They at least have some thoughts. But what are some other ways that writing a book can be part of an overall personal branding strategy that you have seen be successful? First of all, we have to ask the person if they have a personal brand strategy. And so that's where I start. I, I don't do that work like you do, but I want to understand, is this part of an existing strategy or is this kind of a standalone book? And again, I don't mind. If that's what someone wants to do, I get people who are writing about their life experiences and they don't necessarily want to build a brand around it, especially a lot of older people. They just want to do it as a legacy and that is absolutely fine. But for the people who have a business or a business idea, 
they can use the book in strategic ways. So here are a few things. Let me think. I, I have dozens, but let me think of three things that clients have done. Number one, there's giving the book away. Now, I think people should be really careful with this because most people don't value free things. And if you just give everything away, people might take it and not read it. Whereas if they've paid for it, they still might not read it, but they might. So that's one. As an event host, I've seen that too. If you throw a free networking event or free webinar or something, there will be people who sign up and don't go. If they pay even a very small amount, they're a little more likely to go because they feel like I've already invested in this on some level. And also I've heard people say, well, a book is a fantastic business card, but pretty expensive business card. I I feel like that's, I mean, there are people who publish for vanity reasons, and I'm sure that's part of how they're using it. But that's a really good point. People are a little less likely to value it. And how do you know if they even read it? What are the circumstances under which it might be a good idea to give out books because you didn't say not to you just said be careful with it let's dive into what be careful with it means what are some circumstances people should be thoughtful about in terms of whether or not to give their books i'm gonna talk to you about a success story because we're all about stories here and one of my most successful if not the most successful ever client simon zucci he founded a property investment business yeah fantastic profile But when we started working together nearly 20, can't be 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 14, 15, oh wait, anyway, about 15 years ago, he was building it and he was going to a property exhibition and he needed that book and it was at risk of never getting done. So we worked on the book. I coached him through it. We published Mm -hmm. the book. He launched the book. We actually accelerated a lot of things to get him over a thousand copies of that book at the exhibition. So I questioned him. I said, are you really going to give away thousands of copies? He said, I'm going to give away as many books as there are people who want them. And they came to the stand and obviously they had to give their details in these intervening 15 years. Simon has said, I can use this figure. He's made over 2 million pounds, mostly from his programs. So he has a 12-month property mastermind. And the book was an essential, integral part of that strategy. So he wasn't just saying, here, have a book and hoping something would happen. It was a whole organized plan. And he has also shifted, I think it's 250,000 copies of the book, including paid-for copies, Kindle copies, Audible copies, and partnership copies. So he did deals with insurance companies, estate agents. So, you know, he's a smart guy. And I've coached a lot of people who didn't have that head start. (laughs) And anybody can get more or better ROI, return on their investment, if they put a bit of thought into it. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. It sounds like he essentially used it the way that digital marketers would use a lead magnet, which is, first of all, People had to raise their hand to get it, right? He didn't just say, here, have a book. People had to come to him. And second of all, I like that you said that people had to give their details. He was using it as a selling tool that ideally would lead people, the people who made it to the back, that would encourage them to sign up for his program. So I really like that point. It can essentially be a physical, tangible, more impressive 
and more valuable version of a lead magnet. I was just going to say, I'm all about substance. You said right at the beginning, Christine, people know what kind of thought and how much thought went into creating a quality, high quality, full length thought leading book. And not only that, but my clients are encouraged to really push the envelope and really make it disruptive, make it truly original. It's hard, which is why most people don't even do it. But to get a standout book that stands out, that's the point. What are some common factors that you see in the books that tend to go on to do well, regardless of the marketing and all of that? Because I'm sure you've seen all these books. Some are better than others. All of them are going to be something good to be proud of. But what are some common factors, especially for people who are doing the book as part of an overall personal brand, thought leadership, business persona. What are some of the factors that you see in the books that accomplish that really well? I strongly believe there is always a market. And for your clients who are not succeeding, I think you said it yourself, they haven't found the market. Now, the book itself, there are many factors, but here are the levers that can be pressed to create something that gives the author really their best chance in the market. And that is the right length, because I've seen books that are too long and too short, so longer than they need to be or not as long as they need to be. The style, when you can get to the right style that is going to resonate with the ideal reader, with your market, you have a much better chance. And there isn't just one style. So it's being very strategic and thoughtful about that. It's about the um, balance of personal stories, the the personal narrative. And everybody says, oh, your brand is about you. How much of you do you put into what is supposed to be a professional book? So the, a lot of these are, just imagine a spectrum, and you can have too much or too little or just right. The time to check all these things is before anything is written, and in my view, before anything is even planned out, because I love working with clients from conception, where everything is wide open, it's a blank sheet of paper, and all the possibilities are still open to us. So they haven't gone down the wrong strategy in terms of length, style, format, balance, use of stories, or any of these things. And there are so many others, but those are the main ones where people get it wrong. Now, I know in business especially, and especially those people in thought leadership spaces, a lot of times they'll develop their signature talk that they're giving on stage and will then sometimes want to turn that into a book. We've all seen examples of TED Talks that have been turned into books. Simon Sinek's Start With Why is one very famous example. Um, So I'm wondering, when is perhaps the most advantageous point in one's personal brand building to come out with a book? Because some would say, do it early and then out of the gate, you're that person who wrote the book on it. But some people would say, wait until you have an audience, wait until you've proven that people have resonance with your ideas before putting a book out there. And then there are people who almost did it too late where it's, why did they even need a book? So what are some considerations that might be factors in how much additional leverage people can get from a book with relation to where they are in their career? 
if someone already has a strong brand, of course, that's going to help when they bring the book out, they have a following, they will get a percentage of that following buying the book. That always helps. I also think that everything in terms of that person's writing and speaking career, content, messaging, branding can be done up front. It's not always possible. So many times people, they've already gone down a track, but if somebody's gone too far, it's difficult to unpick and unpack and unravel that. I am just hoping to get people to understand that the earlier, the better. The other day I said to somebody, in fact, call me back when you're ready. And then I stopped and I said, call me before you're ready. <laughs> because, you know, that we can plan everything from the TED Talk to the book. So it doesn't really matter which one people did first. What matters is that they haven't gone too far down the track and they've got these blinders on. And then it's very difficult to get them to open up again. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'd like to go back to um, a path we started down earlier, which was how people can leverage these books as part of their overall holistic personal branding and thought leadership yeah. strategy. You mentioned one really good example of a client who actually used the book giveaway thing, but very strategically, he didn't just shove it in people's hands. What are some other ways that you have seen people get a little bit more professional leverage out of their book if that was something that they were aiming to achieve? So this is going to dispel the myth that you need to sell lots of copies to be successful. So the first thing is to think about my client, Steve, he wrote his book. It was a business book based on his consultancy business. And he launched this book in a very nice venue in London, very posh venue. A lot of people came. The people who came, they got a copy of the book. One of the people took the book back with them. Now, this was somebody that Steve had been trying to work with for nearly two years. I don't know how many calls he'd made. I don't know how many approaches. And this VP in a major bank finally took the time to read Steve's insights in the form of a great book. And guess what? That guy was calling Steve within weeks. So this is months and months of trying to get hold of someone and then having him read a very high quality book in his own time. So it's a lot less pressure than if you're trying to have a sales conversation with someone. 
And they had a chat and they had a few discussions and they had a negotiation and it turned into a million dollar deal. Now, I think she might have sold a thousand copies total of that book. He wasn't interested in thousands and thousands of sales. And it wasn't just, oh, a book is a business card. It was way more than that. It was well-researched. It was put together in a lovely format, and it resulted in that big piece of business. This is real. I have had probably five or six clients close more than a million dollars of business with their book, not from book sales, and it's all been done strategically. So that's another one. I don't know if you want to hear a a third example. Absolutely, I'm sure I, I can do think because of there's many. absolutely because there's so many different ways that people go about this, and it is important to make sure that if you are going to go through that work, that investment of work and of time and of thought and of effort in actually being one of that small percentage of people who completes your book and gets it going, you want to make sure that it does something for you. If that is your goal, if your goal yeah. is to build your business with a book. You want to make sure if you're putting the work in towards that goal, that it achieves that goal. So I would absolutely love to hear another story about how someone went about that. I am thinking of at least three or four different clients now who've all done the same thing. They sent their book to meeting organizers who were planning an important event, and they got to speak at that event where they then met hundreds of people and they closed business for their consulting business. I must say the majority of these clients had some kind of consultancy business where it was easy to get into a discussion about it and sell them onto some level of coaching or consultancy. For people who want to be speaking, let me tell you the truth. The meeting organizers used to say, have you written a book? Then the call for speakers application. And then it changed to, what's the title of your book? So it's, it's essential. And lately, I have seen forms that say, list all your books. Anybody who's trying to do serious professional speaking without even one book is going to be up against people who have a book or multiple books. And I've spoken to meeting organizers who have chosen the speaker because they were a published author with some credibility. And compared to someone else who wasn't as credible or proven, they got the gig. I'd love to dig into that a little bit. What about the fact that they wrote a book, especially in these days of self-publishing, where having written a book doesn't necessarily mean that you wrote a proposal, you landed an agent, you shopped it around to different publishers, you eventually, you know, after that grueling period of evaluation, you finally got accepted. Now that's not really necessarily a factor anymore. What about writing a book is valuable to these event organizers? Because I know a lot of people are of exactly this mindset, exactly like I want to be a, a speaker on bigger stages, on better paying no. stages. I need to write a book for that authority. Why do you think that those event planners see authority in a book nowadays? They do. Um, just the fact that you have a book. Now, many of them will have a look at the book. They might not read it cover to cover, but they might look at Amazon. They might look at the reviews. And that's the social proof. 
I must say that I don't know how many dozens and dozens of my clients have sold more than the average number of copies of a book and have done better than traditionally published books. I'm talking about people who've worked with small, independent, and hybrid publishers. So getting the contract, the agent, the, the scenario you described is not the be-all and end-all. And, and I'm a big fan of what I call entrepreneurial publishing. The um, fact of the matter is, if you send a book in the mail or the post, then somebody can see it, feel it, flip through it, or maybe read it cover to cover. It has to stand up to any scrutiny and anything that potential um, booker might be thinking or asking. It has to resolve all of their questions and give them the confidence that you know what you're talking about. And as you pointed out, having a book is a very tangible magnet for social proof, for that user-generated content of reviews, of posting recommendations and things like that. And it can go the other way if it's a bad book, if it's a book that people don't find unique value in. Absolutely. All right. I'm actually going to turn it over to you now to turn the spotlight on you, because as you pointed out, you yourself have written many books. So how has book authorship, what has that done for your personal brand? Because you are self-employed, you have created businesses on your own steam based on you, based on people trusting you to know what you're talking about and based on the thought leadership and the thoughtful leadership taken from the title or rather in conjunction with the title of one of your books, The Thoughtful Leader. Your businesses are built on you. People are buying you when they work with you. So let's talk about how has book publishing and at what point did book publishing um, really make a difference for you in your personal brand and in having that freedom to do business as you choose? Every single one of my books has led to some business. Every single one. It started with my first book. Uh, which actually was a novel based on a true story, but a really important personal message about a friend of mine who died um, from epilepsy-related causes. It was important for me to publish that, and I thought I was just going to be running my marketing consultancy and my life coaching business, and this book was something on the side. It changed everything, and all my businesses became book-focused for a while. The next book that really made a big difference to my career and my profile was 24 Karat Bold. It came out in 2009, and several things helped with that. My friend Seth Godin gave it an endorsement on the front cover. I launched it at a huge event where I was lucky enough to be speaking in Hawaii to a 1,000 women in leadership. I did some very clever and cute campaigns to launch it, including giving away a lifetime of coaching to one client. And I, I had um, a lot of energy around the time of the launch. But the most important thing was that I had poured myself into the quality of this book as I put it together. And the proof was I had six new clients come to me within weeks of the book coming out saying, I've read the book. We must work together. And they signed up. And now these are people who I'd been in, in touch with. They'd been on my list for years. 
and they did not understand my best insights and my thought leadership until I wrote that book on thought leadership. So that was the irony. So I, I had a whole heap of clients and really good business. That was a fantastic year for business. And then the thoughtful leader really helped me embrace the much larger and broader subject when reminding people that a book is just one manifestation of your thought leadership. It's never just a book. In my opinion, you shouldn't look at a book in isolation because you're leaving opportunities and money on the table. So think bigger, think deeper. Being more thoughtful is always a good idea. That helped me launch the podcast, which did 100 episodes. And a lot of people now introduce me for thoughtful leadership. Love that. So aside from people you've necessarily worked with, are there any things that you're seeing out there in the industry that people are doing with their books, whether business or otherwise, where you're like, wow, that is a really fantastic way to leverage a book? Have you seen anything that's made you turn your head and go, wow, that is, that's pretty brilliant? Uh, not really truly original leverage or promotion, but the, the people who impress me are the ones who remember that the book is for life, not just Christmas. <laughs> so the ones who have a sustainable approach, who always remember to promote and talk about their book. One of my clients, her book keeps popping into the top 10 because she's always doing something. And the book is several years old now. And I think a good book should have a long life. And obviously the market decides, but that's what I think is the key. So it's not about doing some radical thing or throwing books off the top of a high building or some PR stunt. <laughs> There's an idea. But it is about long-term success, long-term commitment, and sustainable strategy with your book. If it really is your best book, if it's something you're proud of, You'll want to keep talking about it and keep using it. If it's a representation of your best thought leadership that makes you feel proud, then you will want to continue. And my best advice is never stop promoting your beautiful book. Absolutely. You did the work. The investment has been made. There's no reason to put it by the wayside. All right. So as we go towards wrapping up, one final insight I would love to hear from you is for those of us out there who, you know, wherever we are on our personal brand building paths, whether we're just getting started and we're really excited about a certain set of ideas, or we've been out there enough that people are saying, you know what, you need to write a book. Where's your book? Wherever you are in all of that, before someone writes a book, besides calling you, obviously, what are some things that you recommend that they do when they're in these early stages of it's time? Okay, so here's the first thing that you should not do, and that is do not pin yourself down and write things down in black and white, in concrete, as if those are sacrosanct, because when you've got those blinkers on, those blinders, you really don't 
understand how much you're limiting yourself. So this is, you said, what should they do? That's really avoid the temptation to start with the title or come up with something clever or outline the 10 chapters without help. I would say a book is too important, too important to do a DIY on it. Do it yourself. I obviously believe that we should use professionals for all important things in our business, be that branding, be that book, midwife, coaching, be that using an architect before you build your house. That's my favorite one. (laughs) Amazing how many things people think they can DIY and after they go, oops. So I saw a YouTube video on it. Um, So I figured. Biggest question. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest question you want to ask yourself is, what would it mean to me? And tied in with that is, where would I go with this? Where can you see yourself going? And you don't need to know what the book is. In fact, where you're going can drive what the book is going to be, how it's going to turn out, which book you need to write. And we use a lot of this stuff in figuring out which of the many books that each of us could write should be the one to work on now. Stay open, but ask yourself how excited you would be. What would it mean? And if it's a strong feeling, if it's a strong intention or motivation, as I was talking about, then go to the next step. Avoid committing your whole self until you've really thought it through. And then you can do it thoughtfully. That's great. Yes, there's so many things, even with branding itself. You have to, on some level, be open to let the ideas take you to new places. You can't just say, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. It's set in stone. Because on some degree, you have to respond not just to the market, but also to your own learning. So you have to be open to evolution and to development if you're going to be a truly thoughtful leader. All right. Thank you so much, Mindy Gibbons-Klein. Tell the good folks at home where they can find you, why they should find you, and what they will find there. If you or someone you know has not yet written the book, then I'm very happy to have a chat. If you know someone who's written a book and they're ready to publish, I have connections, but I'm no longer a publisher. But check out Book Midwife. Check out Book Midwife on Facebook, bookmidwife.com. Book Midwife, it's our brand. And if you Google it, there's lots of good stuff out there from 21 years of posting and writing articles, etc. If you're interested in thought leadership and thoughtful leadership, then my main website is where you want to head. And that's simply mindygk.com. Because I figured Gibbons Klein, there's a lot of ways to get that wrong. And people do. I have one name like Madonna or Beyonce, right? Mindy GK. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Mindy GK. Thanks for being here. And I certainly look forward to continuing to learn from you about thoughtful leadership and especially about how to get that book out. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. 
and thank you so much for being here today. Whether you are listening to the podcast on the Adweek Podcast Network, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and leave a review if you like it. Or maybe you're joining us here on YouTube. Either way, we are here every single week at Let's Talk About Brand, talking to another guest expert about another element of personal branding. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.